Welcome back, imposters, to the You're Not Qualified podcast. This is episode number 14, and I continue to be stoked to be here and excited that you are listening. Welcome back. Thank you for joining. If this is your first episode, either way, I am just living for it. Thank you. My name is Courtney Heater, and today I have a little bit of a different take on the You're Not Qualified vision to share with you. Trauma is haunting and oftentimes unavoidable for vulnerable people and vulnerable populations from poverty to abuse to accidents, and in no way is that an exhaustive list. Trauma infiltrates our lives and lingers around, sometimes without our awareness, until it hits us like a ton of bricks. Trauma can ruin lives. Though trauma does not have to stop you from living the life you want and the life you deserved. If you're not going to buy anything, get out. You are qualified to overcome and live with trauma and thrive. You are worthy of this. And our guest today, Karen Bright, aims to show us this. So Karen is former executive director and founder of Bright Futures for Women and Children, and she currently coaches high-performing women who have experienced trauma. She doesn't have a PhD, but massive amounts of life experience and acquired applicable certifications as she grew in her skills. So we all know that's my song and dance on this podcast. You know, as you're going, get those certifications when they're applicable and get the skills that you want to advance and then learn transferable skills that you have to apply. You know, I'm not going to get into it. Of course, you guys hear me talk about this all the time, but she is a great example of this and a great example of somebody that is living an incredible life and giving back. In, in a way that traditionally she might not be qualified for, but she is 100% qualified in our book on this podcast, and she's amazing. She is someone I cannot wait for you to meet and learn from. Let's go. Legends are lessons. They ring with truths. So excited that you're here to talk about your journey. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me, Courtney. I'm so excited. You're story is just, it's incredible first. Mm -hmm. And to me, resoundingly, I just think of triumph through trauma. We will get into the nitty gritty of exactly what that means in your story, but you have come so far. You've overcome so much in your life. You have a beautiful 15 year old daughter. Is she still 15? Was there a birthday? Okay. Uh Yeah, she's 15 and I have two older sons. And two older sons. Amazing. Three beautiful children. And you are now giving back to other people that have come from similar situations as you. You grew up in poverty. And I want to build this vision for the listeners of where you came from and where you are now. Healthy, thriving, beautiful family. So I just kind of want to dive into it and get to the difficult stuff. Would you mind, even if it's like a TLDR, if you don't want to get too far, but talk about your childhood a little bit and your upbringing? Yeah. I was raised, I feel like our family is about fourth generation poverty on both sides. So my mother and my father's side, and I think hardworking were my grandparents, but they were, um, 
immigrants from another country and just still working poor and, and really struggling for ends meet. But when I was raised with my mother, she was really struggling. We were on food stamps and used all of the government agencies to get Christmas presents and government cheese when they gave you the big blocks of cheese. So does it happen a lot? Government commandeering your ship, telling you where to go? That's what governments are for, getting a man's way. I remember as a little girl, I don't think my mother had a car at the time and we got a ride from someone else. Maybe I was three. And I remember her hurrying us, hurry up, we're going to be late, we're going to be late. And her, we're in our winter coats in Cleveland, Ohio, with the sludge on the ground. And it, the sludge is on our feet, and so our toes are cold. And, and she's hurrying us out of the car to get to this food pantry that is about to close. Oh. But they closed, so it was too late for her. And I think, you know, that was like the story of our life, is that we were running from one place to another to get our basic needs met. My gosh. And you probably didn't have amazing clothing. So the shoes and everything probably were not even adequate to keep the cold out. So I've heard the term government cheese before, and I did not know that it meant literal blocks of cheese. They give you cheese wheels? Like a block of cheese. So imagine Velveeta, but not smooth like Velveeta. It was thicker cheese. And so it would be like a big block of Velveeta. You Uh would not have the fancy Velveeta in a plastic carton. You would have it in plastic. It would just be clear plastic and it would say in black letters, cheese or pasteurized cheese. (laughs) Wow. I'm assuming it wasn't good, but was it? I mean, we used it. And they gave us powdered milk as well. And like we would, my mom would make the powdered milk in a container and we would use that over our cereal and it was the worst like powdered milk was horrible powdered (laughs) milk is not good yeah I definitely have had that before and I prefer the but you know that doesn't spoil so it kind of makes sense like you don't and if you don't have a cold place to keep it so now you run a nonprofit. And you help women leaders step into their power and you're a life coach. So tell us a little bit about what those companies are and your life coach company too. Yeah. Like I said, we were raised for generation poverty. By the time poverty hit me, it was the worst. Like I was homeless. I had no education. I failed ninth grade twice and left into the world, kicked out of the house at 17 with a sixth grade reading conference. And so there was no education. There was no foundation for education. And so I had to navigate the system and we were in section eight housing and homeless shelters. And I wanted more And so I had an internal drive that kind of, I think that drive drove me to learning new ways to function and how to live in society. And then I used what I learned to create the nonprofit, which is called Bright Futures for Women and Children. Basically, it's a very comprehensive program of everything it took for my family and I to break the cycle. So education opportunities, specifically GED and post-secondary education. So um, a woman has a dream to be a nurse, but she's a single mother and she needs to work and she has limited daycare. We teach her that maybe it would be great to get, you know, this vision that you have to be a nurse is incredible. And then can we reel that in a little bit and get you post-secondary education as a phlebotomist? Now you're in the field of your vision. 
and you have a way to slow things down so you can start making a livable wage and then you climb from there. And so that's basically like the foundation of the org is to give the women the skills they need to break the cycle. And then we also like do life coaching with them. I think a lot of nonprofits, they mean well, Mm -hmm. but they're missing these fundamental pieces of skills that someone who's living in poverty may never have. If she's a woman who's been focusing her whole life to survive, does she really know how to have a vision and create a plan and time management? Like, or is she surviving forever and flying by the seat of her pants? So we slow them down and teach them these fundamental skills, visioning, goal setting, time management. And then I think also a big thing is communication. Everything in life is designed around proper communication and collaboration skills. But if you lived in poverty forever and you've lived in the environment of families are always fighting or you're hustling and fighting to get what you need. And it's a, if I don't make sure I survive, like it's at the risk of you not surviving. Do you ever really get to learn how to collaborate well with others and utilize active listening skills and these, how is your body language? So we teach them fundamental skills and how to properly communicate well with others, how to collaborate and how to change their mindset from this limited mindset to really empowering. The sky is the limit for me and I have opportunity to live the life I want. That's such a holistic way to look at it because the hierarchy of needs, you need your food and your water and your shelter met. So a lot of people in the poverty cycle in my experience, at least you see that they're like, oh, just go get a job. It's not that simple. And poverty is a cycle. And I'd love to hear more about your experience with that cycle of poverty. And what does that mean? Yeah. So again, like I said, we're fourth generation poverty. I I believe my mother wanted more. Uh She just didn't know how to get more when we were younger. If you don't know how to get something. It's just an idea. And so as we lived that poverty, then it became, I witnessed the, her way of life. Then I adopted that same sort of way of life, right? It was that's how mom did it. And so I think for her, it was like a lot of relationships. She, she was married many times and divorced. And I think that she believed that if she found a good husband, that he could take her out of that, that maybe she didn't believe that she had it within herself. And so then I adopted that same mindset as well. If I just find a man, he can lead me out of this. Mm-hmm. But because my foundation was so broken, it was really like a lot of neglect and abuse. I only picked men who would neglect and abuse me. So the, yep. the cycle was continuing, not only from what I witnessed, but how I was treated. I only knew to go for that, even though I wanted something more. And it wasn't until I had like extensive amounts of therapy and witnessing, I moved out of the community I was raised in and got into a new environment. And in that environment, I saw more educated and affluent people and the way that they lived life. And it was so much different than the way that we were living life in poverty. And they did, I don't think they ever said, hey, this is how you set a goal and here's how you manage your time. But I was always observing Mm -hmm. what is different about them versus what is different about the way that I was living. 
And so I've always looked at other things to be able to like strategically make a change so I could find joy. But it was a cycle and I couldn't get out of it until I was able to learn more and then get the help I needed to break the messages that my brain always said. It like had its coping mechanisms. It had its way of doing things. And it had its limited belief systems that were always operating in the background. And so if your brain is subconsciously operating by what you've experienced and what you've seen and what it tells you, can you ever really get a new result? Mm-hmm. I think that was our, what, what I was struggling with. And then through witnessing something new and really digging deep, getting education, getting therapy, changing the ways, then I was able to break that cycle. But yeah. if I didn't like get all that, I'd still be in the same cycle. It's like having dirty glasses and then you clean off the glasses and you realize that you aren't seeing as clearly as you could, right? It's like everything's overshadowed by the experiences that you have and it keeps you there. Like it, yeah, it just keeps you in the poverty. Uh, what yeah. was the moment that, that some, did somebody come in and was like, let me help you? Or so I think what was really interesting is I, I moved to this community that you're either really poor or you were affluent and all our kids went to the same school. Oh. And it was like this really interesting community and my children were really sweet and their kids would play with my kids. And then the families started adopting me and we went to this little community church as well. And they saw things in me that I didn't see in myself. I think that was a huge piece is like we as humans have the ability to really change lives. And I don't know if we really believe that. I've talked to so many people who said, oh, every year we're doing the angel tree and we're giving and we're giving to food pantries. And I just don't know if it's making an impact because they're constantly giving, but they don't know on the other side, there are seeds being planted that they have no idea are being planted. And that's what happened with us is that one family was like, hey, you have a lot of issues. Like I had OCD, post-traumatic stress disorder and social anxiety disorder. So I couldn't even look at people in the face and I would constantly fidget and I would look down at the ground and I, I just was weird. I was socially awkward. Yeah. But one woman said, I have a, think you're amazing and I have a therapist, we'll see you for free. And so here's Dr. Tom, his name is Dr. Tom Payton. He's passed in the last couple of years, but he is a, he was a psychoanalyst for the FBI focused mostly on behavior analysis. Wow. That's cool career. (laughs) Yeah. And he led a pro bono group that I got to be in. So I got free therapy from a behavior analysis, like somebody who is in, he's a doctor in psychology and he was able to like reach in and show me new ways and help me create new neuropathways in my brain. And undo the old messages and he did that for free and Mm. she connected me for him for free so she did she know that I would become this woman who's now a life coach and focuses on helping women overcome trauma no but she used her one little space she saw something was missing and she said I could create a bridge and in that bridge it allowed my whole journey of 13 years of psychotherapy between him and another therapist that was able to help me undo the cycle. When Karen had mentioned just a little bit earlier that people with giving trees or like the the bell ringers and everything around the holidays, we don't really know the impact we're making. It feels like a literal just drop in the bucket that you don't see the other side of. 
I think it's very important what she said that you don't see the other side, but so often that is just a monumental way to give back. It seems very simple, trivial to us, but it can really move mountains. And all of this reminded me of when I was growing up, my and I, I didn't really understand homeless and exactly what that meant when I was, I don't know, late elementary school, but I would notice that these people didn't have homes and we would go to McDonald's on Sundays as a treat and there would be maybe the same man around the parking lot area, a couple McDonald's trips in a row, a couple weeks in a row, and eventually I'd be like, hmm, like, what is that guy's deal? I maybe ask my mom. And so she started... And something is amazing that she did this. She started just getting McDonald's dollars. I don't know if they do those anymore. I actually don't think that they do, but they are. You exchange the one-to-one currency rate. So $1 gets you one McDonald's dollar, and then you can only use that dollar at McDonald's. So it's a gift, I guess, a gift certificate in a way. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. It's a gift certificate. But they have individual sizes because, you know, they have a dollar menu. So it's a little bit more easy. So my mom would get these McDonald's dollars so that these homeless individuals could only use them on food. I guess it was her way of trying to help them, but also satiating her fear that they might use the money for drugs, which is drug addiction is an illness. I'm not not downplaying that, but she wanted to make sure that these individuals got food that they needed. So she would get the McDonald's dollars and pass out McDonald's dollars to the people that were basically living around the McDonald's in the areas. And it was such an amazing thing that I realize now because I look back and I'm like, that's really cool. But she might have had a very influential part in one of these people's lives because they could only get food, so they got food. It's just, it's amazing what we can do to help each other as humans. Another family, they were wonderful and I used to babysit their children and I had a really good work ethic. So I would, when they were, their children went to bed, I would clean their house and I would cook them meals for the next few days. I would fold their laundry and they saw this beauty in me. And they said, you're so smart, Karen. You should go get your GED. And so I went on my journey to get my GED, but I wouldn't have done that if someone didn't say I was smart. You didn't know. You probably didn't even think that you could No. Yeah. I was told I was a failure. I was told I was a failure in my home. I was told I was a failure in school. And I produced failure work. Like I failed everything. So in my head, not only was it the message that I grew up with, but it was the message I always told myself. And so when we tell, when our brain is constantly telling us that, why would we try if our own internal dialogue is saying we're never going to be anything? But so it took that to say, I think you're brilliant. And in that, I went and got my GED and I, like I said, sixth grade reading comprehension, mm-hmm. I passed my GED in two months. I didn't just pass it, but I got a 99% in math and science and an 89% on writing. Holy cow. And now I'm a published author. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. so crazy. I mean, right? parents, like, like the brilliancy, like you're a brilliant uh, person, but it takes somebody else to pluck you out. Yeah. That's just, it's I, so incredible. I think that's exactly what we like. I don't know if we know the power we have in us. If we just take a moment to see 
one person and just connect. You may not have the money, but you may know somebody who does. Yep. If you just do the bridge, if we be the bridge, we are able to create a place from someone's oppression, regardless of its poverty or abuse or something, to a place of empowerment. All we need to do is make a connection so that they can cross over the bridge themselves. Oh, absolutely. The around that and like the the trauma that people find themselves out of their control, oftentimes growing up in as children, you mentioned before that every limiting belief is bound to trauma. And I feel like that's, it's almost, it's beautiful in a horrifying way that it's something where if you understand the trauma, you can start to release a little bit more and a little bit more. What can people do to help identify and overcome? So good. Oh, the first thing is get a coach or get a therapist. Yeah. I'm going to need so much therapy after this. All playfulness aside, I will always advocate for therapy. Even if, even if it's just like, hmm, I want to get to the next level in my career or something or anything, just therapy. Therapy is amazing. Just amazing. Advocate 100%. Go get therapy. I don't believe that you can fully do your trauma work alone. You read some books and you get some self-awareness, but there's something about walking alongside someone who is an expert in the field that can help you. It's all in you. We have all the answers. We get to overcome it all ourselves. We are the ones that do the work. But again, we need someone to take our hand. And so here's what trauma does. Everyone in the world has experienced trauma in one way or another. And we have big T's and we have little T's. I don't believe there's any difference between a big T and a little T, right? Like it still has an impact on us in some way or form. So if it's abandonment, they consider that a little T, but my biggest issue still to this day is my abandonment issues. So I was able to get over a lot of the abuse and like the sexual abuse and all those like big T's. They were tangible, like, oh, okay, here's an issue. I work on it in therapy. I do a trauma map to really discover all the traumas that are hidden. But the biggest ones I am still struggling with today are those little T's because they are the ones that we adopted a mindset around, like this fear-based, oh, nobody will ever stay. Oh, I can't trust anyone. Therefore, up a bricks around my heart. Nobody can ever have access to me. Or because I had no control, I will become so controlling that I hold on tight to everything in life. But when we learn that all of our coping mechanisms and our defense mechanisms are just our brain's way of trying to protect us from the traumas we had in the past, uncover the trauma and be like, oh, I see why you want to be protecting me from that. Mm -hmm. I understand, brain, that you felt like you were doing a great job by allowing me to be controlling of everything. But being controlling no longer serves me. And I'm going to learn how to let go of control. So it's just uncovering the trauma, recognizing the message that the trauma said to us or did to us in our brain, and then teaching our brain to do something new. It really rears its head in the most unexpected scenarios. Like for me, for because I have like abandonment trauma as well. And I have gone to therapy for a few years, talked about it and everything, thinking that it only stems from like certain experiences, but then not even just like less than six months ago, my partner was like, oh, I forgot to tell you, but I'm going to go out with my friends. And immediately I spiraled and I was like, 
oh no, like, what the hell is this? So got back online with my therapist and I was like, what the heck is this from? And he's, oh, he's like, it's just, uh, you're worried about being abandoned. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense because he's like a loving, stable part of my life, but it doesn't have to make sense because your brain, it just gets the trigger. It's subconscious, right? Yeah. Like, so our, I always say like, before we have this awareness of our traumas and how we act because of them, the, the dog is not wagging the tail. The tail is wagging the dog until we really research and understand, oh, I was abandoned. And not only was I abandoned here, but I was abandoned in all these ways. And every time abandonment happened, it created a sub branch. So I may think, oh, I've worked on this area. But like you said, that one little, I'm going out with friends. It was a triggered subconscious trigger in your brain that said, this is going to happen again. And your brain immediately triggered a response because it was trying to protect you from it happening again, even though it wasn't, but it seems similar to something your brain experienced in the past. Then you had an outrageous triggered response that you're like, where did that come from? But it was until you can bring conscious awareness to it, that you can change it. It's the craziest, weirdest thing. And yeah, the way that my therapist was telling me about it, he was like, it's probably because it was a spur of the moment decision and you didn't have a chance to like prepare and calm (sighs) yourself. And it's, it's, yeah, it's the things in your life that you miss out on if you don't address the trauma. It's, and then it just, it just will ruin your day when you don't, you least expect it. Oh yes. I hate this. It is revolting. A hundred percent. So here we were for the last seven years, I was working in the nonprofit sector with women in poverty and helping them around trauma and empowerment. But then I felt my next phase is that I want to be able to empower more like women leaders because their impact yeah. on what they're leading can have such a big ripple effect. And trauma is the biggest cause of our fail. So I'm coaching now high performing women and they're like, I'm controlling. My staff thinks I'm Corella DeVille. Everybody's miserable. I'm melting and triggered. It's all her trauma. It's all like she's losing control and her brain is, you must control. And so we're able to do this trauma coaching with her and help her start actively and consciously living. Now she's leading better. Now her team is better. Now they're going home better. I'm, I'm so excited to be in that place because every one of us has experienced trauma in some way in our lives. Oh, do these women come to you? Yeah, it's been wonderful. It's a word of mouth. All my clients, like I do my Instagram and just post content and I just let my content do whatever. Okay, here universe, here's the content. I hope it's beneficial. And I, I don't really, I'm not a salesy person on Instagram. I want to give you content. I want to give you new skills that you can adopt, that your life can improve. Just have this world. Yeah. And through that, I'm pulling in a client here and then we're working together and her life is completely changing. She's recognizing now that all her trauma is holding her back. We're addressing the issues. I'm just a bridge of her own empowerment. And then she's telling her entire family and friends. And so now not only is she referring, now she's got a community of people who are all getting healthy together. Yeah. And then Oh my gosh, just an amazing community and they can all celebrate their, their wins and their successes together. It's also nice to be able to like put a name to how you're feeling. That's yeah, a huge it, success. 
and like using the same dialogue. Like if your friends and your mom and your sisters are all on the same trauma coaching, you're going to be, hmm, that seemed like a little trigger you got there. Mom. Oh my God. Some inner child work you need to do. No kidding. <laughs> I'm thinking about like how beneficial that would be to so many families, mine included. I would, yes. I would pay every last dime I had to be able to go through <laughs> trauma coaching with my sisters and my mom. <laughs> so we could all be like, call each other out, Truly. hold each other accountable. Yeah. Do you want to go do some self-soothing? It seems like you had a triggered response there. And where's that coming from? Gosh. Yeah. And it would <laughs> really be... letting your coping mechanisms yeah. take over our situation here, Mom. No kidding. <laughs> She'd be like, without all of that, who the hell are you? What are you talking about? So I think we'll have to keep in touch about this. Because so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe gift it for her birthday or something. It's so good. It's a good gift. Yeah. Oh, it'd be good for everybody. All of yeah. us. Yeah. I would love to talk more, but you mentioned just like a little bit about your schooling and yeah. you didn't have access to it for a long time. When you did have access, you failed out because you just didn't understand your capabilities. So yeah. what did that look like? And how, even like, how do you see that in other people to help them mm. through it? I feel like education's a tough one. I see it on both sides. Okay. I know personally, and I know from working with women, there's always a higher level of education. Somebody always has more education than you. Yeah. And a limited belief in ourselves is I'm not good at that because I don't have a master's degree. Or, I'm not going to be good at that because I don't have my doctrine and they do. And so, so many times I think of women as we make a hierarchy because of education and we quiet our own voice in rooms because we don't feel we're the most educated in this room. Education is a beautiful thing, but it does not make or break you. Double clicking into that, if I could summarize all of my feelings and thoughts into wanting to share these messages with you, it is that last bit by Karen. Rewind it, listen to it, eat it for breakfast. Know that you are capable whether or not you have the education. Education's great if you can afford it and if you want to do it, but you know what? It's not the end-all be-all. There are other ways and you are qualified. And I'm going to share that with you because I don't have a doctorate or a master's or even a bachelor's. I, I don't even know, like for me, I did the post-secondary route. Every bit of my training is first GED, then I got my CNA, which is like certified nurse's assistant. Mm -hmm. And then through that, I was working at a, like a senior care place from family or seniors with, and then I don't know, all of a sudden there was this internal dialogue of an entrepreneur spirit that said making $8 an hour. And I guarantee you, if I went to someone's home and did this, I'm so loving and caring. I cook, I clean, I bet you I can charge 20 because the agency is charging 28. Mm. And so I began to market myself. All I had was a three month training as a CNA at the time. And I went from making $8 to 20. So mm. I was my own limited belief. I thought that, oh, because I only have a CNA, I must work at a nursing home. And then my other part of me that was learning to be empowered said, no, I think you can do something greater with that. And so then I went there and then I got my EMT. So I became like, EMT as well with a CNA. So yeah. I was able to charge $25 an hour. And so I just, I always took my education, these little itty bitty certifications and turn it into something incredible. Yeah. So then I became a nonprofit management specialist. And then I started a nonprofit. All I had, that was a seven month, 20 hour week training. 
And then I was able to go run a nonprofit incredibly well because I already had it in yeah. here. I already knew poverty. I already knew what families needed. We did dual gen. So we did preschool for kids and adult education. So in order to run a good preschool, I got my CNA certification. That was a four month certification. So I could understand the ins and outs of running a preschool. Yeah. So here I am with this nonprofit certification and a, pre- a short preschool education running an entire org. And so at first I would say I wasn't qualified. I wasn't good enough because I didn't have enough education. But when I realized I am already very intelligent, I've already had yeah. this great brain and these gifts and these talents. If I just combined them with a little bit of education, then the sky's the limit. And so that was basically what I did for the last 12 years. I have every certification you could ever imagine. Not everyone, but I am CNA, EMT, nonprofit management specialist, uh, preschool education specialist. Then I went to become a conflict management specialist, which that was two years and 40 hours a week between school and studying. Wow. So that was really intense. Yeah. But it was because I was such a poor communicator and I was running this org and everyone was like, the woman I'm coaching now, she's Corella DeVille. They would be like, she's devil's where's Prada. <laughs> I was a horrible leader because I'd never learned that. Personally, I think you look a bit more devil may care this way, but it's up to you. And so I was like, you know what? I'm a bad leader. I can admit it. I don't know how, I only know how to reach a goal and I don't know how to talk to the people that are working that don't have that same personality. So I went to school for it. And in that I became an active listener. I understand Mm. people and their personalities and what Mm -hmm. they need more. That wasn't a doctrine in communication, right? That was, it was two years, but it was not a doctorate. It was not a master's degree. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I became a certified life coach. That was about a year and a half of education. But I charge a really nice amount of money for what I do. I don't limit and say, oh, I'm only going to charge X because I don't have a I master's. I don't have a PhD. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't need a PhD. I have a lifetime of overcoming trauma. I have 15 years of psychotherapy for myself. I have all these certifications. I am qualified to, be able to do this work, uniquely qualified because of my experiences and my gifts and my talents. And that is what I work with every woman that I'm working with and hope that women that are listening to your podcast can really grasp is that don't limit yourself because of the amount of education you do or don't have. Yeah. Step into who you are. Truly, that's just, I just love that advice so much. And especially how you took the path that you decided exactly what you needed in terms of certification or class or more life experience for what you wanted to level up to. And you did just exactly that one thing. I feel like that's really just, it should be so much more commonplace than it is like trade school. Even if this is what you exactly want to do never look down upon the people that are taking the alternate route to get to where they are because you're away. You have probably, what is that? Five years total experience in classes or something like that. Then like adding them up as you were talking about it. And that's more than a doctor. A lot of the time. Yeah, I've been going to school for 12 years nonstop. There you go. In different certifications. And it's just, and because you don't have the one doctor title or the masters, it's just, it's not yeah. seen as, as qualified, if, but it's even more and, qualified. Yeah. And if she has it, you go girl. Like oh, I'm so proud yeah, that's of you really cool. getting that. Yes. And if you don't, you go girl too. <laughs> and it's so incredible. Like it, your, your worth is not by your qualifications, your worth and your value is who you are, what you give and what you bring to the table. And that's all in you. 
Absolutely. Just change the script. hundred percent. Stop limited beliefs. Limited beliefs stop us from everything. We need to be able to just, I, we do, that's called neurotraining. And I teach that in coaching. Limited it's belief. like, yeah. What is the old message you're saying? Okay. Now we're going to replace that old message with a positive message. We're going to shrink that old neuro, neuro pathway that your brain was limited on. And we're going to grow the new one of this empowered truth. Who are you really? And so every time you say something that's limited, you just need to say, oh, wait a minute, that is a limited belief somewhere from the past. And if you know where it is, that's great. But if not, you just accept it. What is the truth? What do we do? I really know. And you replace that old thought or that old message with the truth. So in practice, does that look like catch it, write it down? Okay. Yeah. So what we do in practice, I do something called neurotrainer, um, a dog clicker there or dog trainer. Yeah. So we wear them around our wrists while we're doing the neurotraining and we're really conscious. What are you telling yourself throughout the day? The, or what behavior are you doing that you don't want to do? You click the trainer and then you replace it with a new behavior or the new thought. And so that way it's an immediate response. Your brain is associating, oh, that was not that the sounds. response that I need. Yeah. That click. And we put in the new play, the new, you know, neurotraining, the new neuro sentence. So that way your brain can start believing that. You can write it down as well. You can communicate it externally. That's what we're doing affirmations and we're talking good to ourselves, mm-hmm. but always trying as fast as you can to catch it when you do it. So it's, you can nip that old behavior in the bud immediately. Do you feel like they have ties to anxiety? hundred percent like, feelings. Cause I've, I have an anxiety monster that I've named and then yes. you tell them to leave. hundred percent. This is what I do with anxiety specifically in depression. I'm, I am all about teaching to embrace her. What is she telling you? Why? Like is she, our physiological responses are for a reason. It may be she's fearful that there's something in the environment happening that's similar to an old trauma. So she's raising her anxiety level. Anxiety is coming from fear. It's coming from lack of control. So I teach that we visit her and we love her. We sit with her and we say, hey, anxiety, I see you're here. What are you trying to tell me today? Have I eaten? Have I slept? Is this a scary thing? Are we trying to avoid Do we have fear here? And we just let her speak. And then if it's realistic or not, we acknowledge and validate. I see why you feel anxious. I see why you're trying to protect me or why you're trying to stop me from doing something. It makes sense. But I want to walk alongside you and give you a break anxiety. I want you to rest for a moment. I'm going to make sure I make a very adult conscious decision to keep us safe and also move forward and be bold. And so we're nurturing her. We're, we're not saying be gone. We're saying you're here for a reason. And I want to yeah. visit you. And I want to know why. And I want to acknowledge and validate. And then I want to make a good decision that you and I both feel safe. So that's always like that inner child work. Yeah. I like that even better. Learn from it grow from Mm -hmm. it because you can't get rid of it. It's there evolutionarily. It's not going to go away. It is there to help you. It's there. I say discontentment and discontentment comes in many forms and come in depression, anxiety, fear, Mm -hmm. sadness, oversleeping, procrastination, overworking, all of these forms. Discontentment is a gift that is going to lead us to contentment. So we listen to discontentment. So we listen to anxiety. What, what are you trying to tell me? Is there something to fear here? 
we're going to let that be the compass to lead us to doing more work that will help us get to contentment. Yeah. And everybody, yeah, I feel like contentment is a goal for a lot of people, even if we don't recognize it, like you don't want to be overly sad, overly happy, but it's because that's unrealistic. You just, you need, you want to just live freely and then be able to address them as they come all of your anxieties and nerves. Yeah. So good. good. The, the path that you were on were were there any times I'm sure that there were, where people literally said to you, I don't feel like you're qualified enough to do what you are doing. Hundred percent. When I was running the nonprofit, I I would hire directors and they mm-hmm. would have their masters and something, and then they would say, I've had it. Some people are wonderful, never, but there are also some people who have said, I have my masters, Karen. I know what I'm doing. You're like, I'm and. Saying, <laughs> I understand you have your master's, but you don't understand poverty intervention. Yeah. I, I see you're qualified and I know that you can do it. That's why I've hired you, but I didn't hire you because of your master's. That's not why I hired you because I think you have a heart and that you could really learn this. So let's slow that down. And I just want you to walk with me so I can explain to you why we're doing it this way. Many times I've been told that my education wasn't enough and that I should step down or step aside and let someone with more education run it. Ouch. And, yeah. And not true. But there is that, oh man, and when you, when we were just talking and you were like, but those women that have the master's and the PhD, like, that's amazing. You go girl. And I'm like, that's a really, that's an important call out. Education's amazing and it's important. But even if you have that education, you should feel free to reinvent yourself without further education. It's, it's not the end all be all, and it yeah. doesn't make you it is good most qualified, it opens, but it's yeah, so good. It opens lots of doors. Oh, and yeah. it is great to expand your brain and be a lifelong learner. Education is beautiful. And education doesn't always need to be a formal education. It could be life experience. It could be reading several books, right? So I think that we devalue others with our level of education sometimes or our lack of education. We create a hierarchy. We are all like, what we're doing in our purpose requires different levels. Exactly. And you could always take your approach and just with leveling up, you take the next level of certification and the next level of reading a little bit more or a class. Yeah. My old best friend used to say, you're the only person I ever met that I want to be an author. You take one writing class and then you write a book, Karen. I want to be a speaker. You take one speaking class and now you're a speaker on stage. Love it. I love it it's, so much. It's all of us. We can all do that. We just have to believe in ourselves. We just need to gather the information that we're missing. Yep. And then we go and our beautiful gifts. Yep. And there's always people out there that want to help you. Our qualified to help you and they will absolutely like tell you what you need in a way that makes sense there's services for everything that you want to do now like the episode is coming out Thursday of this week but the next episode for this podcast is you're qualified to be an author so it's a a woman that works at a, a press and she helps people publish their books that don't have any publishing or author experience besides that one book. And I'm like, that's just, see, there's always something. 
There's always. someone out there. That's so good. Truly. I write and I write and I write, but I wouldn't be able to have anything published if it weren't for my editor. She's like, I don't go. have a high level education. I have great words to say. I have a beautiful story to tell, but she uses her education alongside me and edits everything. So it is you can, it, it's reputable now, right? Because the grammar is proper. And I used to write there and she's put <laughs> sentence structure and yeah. <laughs> so that's where collaboration comes in. Nothing is created without collaboration. I have an idea, you have an idea. I think of your podcast, like you have an idea, but it takes collaboration. The mic oh, yeah. you're speaking on, someone else made it, right? The, the platform you're posting it on, it was created by someone for podcasts. Every 100%. guest, right? It's all about taking our gifts and our talents and using them together, collaborating to create new things. Yeah. And nobody wants to just hear me talk for an hour about what I think would be the qualifications. <laughs> You wouldn't mind just listening to me talk for an hour, right? Like, right? Just me for an hour, right? Read my lips. No. It takes other people like you where I can have this conversation. We can drill down and encourage and your walk of life is unique. And this is how you overcame all of the things that were in your way. And this is how you thrive. It's, it's necessary. Like I couldn't, it's two hands alone. Don't make a podcast. And then look at here. Let's turn it around. Like the story that I think is really important to share could never be shared if you didn't create this platform. It's so beautiful. We think of collaboration and everything that's in existence came from collaboration. It, it really did. It did. Who has been the, the mentors for you, for um, your life? The two most important, like impactful, and I've had very many, but I'd say it was Dr. Tom. He was mm -hmm. my first therapist and he was able to teach me that all the things that were going on in my head were not true. And they were just messages from the past from my heart and he was able to help me heal. And then after him, I graduated to Audrey Steinle and she did the next level of the journey with me. And so both of my therapists were catalysts to who I became today. Wow. Is psychotherapy branch of therapy? Tons of different therapies, right? Yeah. So I'd done psychotherapy, which is psychoanalysis. Okay. And DBT. CBD or CBT, I'm sorry, cognitive behavioral therapy, EDMR, mm -hmm. which is like the rapid eye movement therapy or EMDR, I'm sorry, and neuro-linguistic programming. So I like, because I've had so much extensive trauma, I, there were tons of different formulas that I needed to address in order to repair the brain. And so the beauty is that there's so many therapists out there with these different techniques and qualifications to help. When you were at one therapist, would they then say, I think you would also benefit from this other version? And then that kind yes. of built the map? Yes, 100%. Interesting. So they helped you navigate to, was there a goal in mind when you started? Did you want to be able to start a nonprofit? You wanted yeah. to function. I wanted to function. I was not functioning in life. I was, my triggers were running me. I was subconsciously driven. I they had no conscious behavior. I was not knowing why I was crying all the time, depressed all the time, still with my ex-husband who was abusive and, and like just poor and poverty and wanted so much more. Life was just so unhappy for me. And I kept running into the same mistakes, like 
I wanted a new result, but I kept making the same mistakes. And so regardless if it's extensive trauma you've had or not, if you keep running into the same mistakes, I want to do X, but I do X, it's mm. all subconscious because of our past. And so for me, it was that I couldn't function. And through that, I learned to function. And after I learned how to function, I learned how to thrive. And thrive you did. That's so, that's incredible. And that's how many years did you say 13? 13 years of therapies. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I like, I, you're probably a completely different woman than oh, you were before. I, yeah. I wouldn't be on this podcast. I would be looking at the ground, picking my nails and stuttering. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would be stuck in the home feeling like I was worthless and sitting in the bed. And it's so incredible how, when we learn how to create a new space in our head, we live with a new roommate and it's a nice roommate. Oh, it's I a love kind that roommate. Yeah. It's a great, kind roommate. And yeah. it's a roommate that we invite to sit with us and talk to and get to know rather than tell them to leave. Yeah. yeah. Love okay. it so much. So what is the next step for you with the nonprofit or do you have more? So I've exited out of my role at the nonprofit okay. and I've done, I'm now doing coaching full time. Oh, well, congratulations. That's exciting. Thank you so much. It was two years ago after designing the nonprofit and doing the things I'm good at, creating curricula and bringing and creating the programs Then I was just raising money for the last two years. And And you're like, I've been training to go out on my own in a way. Yeah. I hate raising money. Raising money was miserable for me. So the last few years I was just devastated with the responsibility of raising money to be able to to keep the program going, to pay our employees. Like it was so much pressure. My gifts are not raising money or I am, I believe my gift is to be an empower of others and to Mm empower others to see that they have it all in themselves. And so as I was just raising money all the time, I was like, if I, my, my company is called Bright Futures. And I was like, I'm teaching people, there was no obstacles in your way. What would you be doing in life? And I am my own obstacle right now. And so yeah. I began to really live by that. And I asked myself, what would I be doing? And I said, I would be empowering more leaders so that they can have a bigger imprint on society. And I would help women see that they are qualified and that they had everything in themselves. They just need someone to create a bridge for them. Beautiful. How many people are you coaching at a time? Okay. So this is great. All right. I left my full-time job at the nonprofit September 1st and I already had 15 clients. Hell yeah. (laughs) And I'm a consultant too. So I'm consulting other nonprofits and I'm doing train the trainers around the curriculums that I've been writing. And so I'm really excited. I'm now trying to create virtual and programs so that way I can spread the world. Spread all over the world. Yeah. (laughs) That's incredible. Where are you based? I'm in Dallas. Dallas. Yeah, I'm in Dallas, but everything can be via Zoom. So I'm everywhere. I've got clients in Ohio and Mississippi. And actually, I'm working tomorrow. I might be in Zambia starting this quarter. Oh, um, one yes. of so excited. I've created curricula around overcoming trauma and I've created curriculum around personal empowerment. And so we're going to be working with an organization in Zambia that works with orphans and they would like to adopt the curricula to be able to start facilitating their work. So that like made my heart flutter that, oh my God, that's incredible. 
That's so like excited. such an amazing way to give back your gifts that you just you're, you've overcome so much. You're so inspiring. I can't even like, it's, ugh, I could just gush all day, but <laughs> one last question. And then I want to just plug away whatever else that you wanted to talk about. But mm-hmm. I, while I was prepping and like trying to figure out exactly how to sum it all up, I came up with a mantra that you mentioned before. And I'm like, I think that's just perfect. Write it on your walls. I am qualified. I have a purpose. And this, I just hope that everybody who listens to it, this podcast adopts that because it's man or woman. It's such an incredible way to start your day. It's incredible way to just make sure that you understand that we're here for a reason. You are living proof that once you nail your power, you can just spread it throughout the world and just make an amazing change. But there's, you know, those messages that are trying to fight against us when we're trying to live that purpose. So just how do we tear through those messages? What advice do you have? Mm -hmm. When you surround yourself by other people who are doing what they need to be doing in life, Mm -hmm. you surround yourself with people who are standing in their purpose and are rooting you on. And if you have people who are like, don't do that, you're not qualified, you need to silence them. You can still love them, but you love them from afar. You need to protect yourself as you're growing into your purpose. And if you can't surround yourself, you find people to surround yourself by and get in a network group, follow Facebook or Instagram group surround yourself by people who are stepping in purpose and then you silence your mind you just keep giving those affirmations because our brains will try to stop us they're afraid that something new or the old messages in the past that you weren't good enough and so we just create new messages and that's where affirmations are write them down on your wall I am good enough. I am qualified. I am Mm -hmm. uniquely qualified to fill the purpose that only I can fill. And so when you feel weak and you feel sluggish, you remind yourself there is something greater on the other side of me activating my purpose. So I have to stand in it. And you just get started and you will be amazed where you end up and the journey that you can go on living proof. Living proof. That's incredible. Okay. Karen, anything else that you would love to say? I feel like it all starts with vision. Mm -hmm. So create vision around your life. Don't just live to live. Get yourself some time and space to say, if there was nothing in my way, if I wasn't in my way, if there was nothing from my past that said, no, I couldn't, who would I be? Who did I want to be when I was a little boy or a little girl? Who do I want to be? Create a vision of what that would feel like, what it would smell, what it would taste like. Really step into doing some subconscious work around it and then let that be your guide. Let that help you make decisions. Is this decision I'm about to make going to lead me to my my purpose or is this decision going to slow me down or take me on another path? And if it's not going to lead you to where you want to be, and if the people you're surrounded are not going to empower you to be that next version of you, then you realign. Love it. And you'll feel confident to realign because you know, that's not the path to your vision. Like the vision will dictate where you say no, it'll dictate where you take a step. It's the roadmap. That's it's beautiful. Where can people find you if they want to follow your work? 
definitely come to my Instagram. That's where I'm okay. kind of building my, my platform right now. And my Instagram is at C-A-R-E-N underscore bright. So at Karen with a C underscore bright. And I give lots of coaching tips and specifically around empowerment and overcoming trauma. And you can message me if you want to talk. Are you taking more career women clients? A hundred percent. I want to work with you. I want to work with you. I want to help you see all of your potential that's in you, help you develop some more communication skills and some structure around your life so that you can fully step into your full purpose. Thank you so much for all of the wisdom and just the amazing vulnerability that you offer. I can't Mm -hmm. imagine that even though you've been talking about your trauma for years and years, that it's necessarily easy. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for that. And again, we're never fully there really quick. It's like, it's a continuum. So don't think that you're going to go to therapy for two Mm -hmm. years or three years and you're going to be no triggers and everything's going to be perfect. It's a continual road. The the next level you want to go to, you have to get that next level of work, that next level of help and that next level of education. I promise that we said our proper goodbyes. I just had stopped recording before I realized it. Okay, so that conversation, I just like, I just like want to shout everything, everything from the rooftops that she was talking about. It's just incredible. Karen is incredible. I hope that you were able to take even anything from there. There are a million little nuggets we can take from this conversation. Trauma doesn't dictate the whole of your life. You are more than what happened yesterday or a year ago or 10 years ago. Certifications are an amazing tool you can use to level up your skills and level up your life to reach your goals. Education is an amazing tool. It is not the only tool. You are qualified. You have a purpose. I am qualified. I have a purpose. Find me. Where can you find me? So I have Gmail, if that is your preferred way of communication. YNQPod, YN as in Nancy, QPod at gmail.com. I have a website. It's a beautiful website. I like it a lot. You're not qualified podcast. Dot com. Please go take a look. I'm on Instagram at YNQPod at Y as in, as in Nancy QPod. I am on TikTok, but admittedly, I'm not very active. I'm trying to figure out exactly like how I want my presence to be on TikTok and I'll get there. I'm going to get there very soon. I'm actively working on it. So if you check that and you're like, this lady doesn't have any TikTok, then I'm sorry. You're right. I lie. But TikTok is coming. So don't forget it. TikTok at YNQPod, just like Instagram. I'm also on Twitter now, at YNQPodcast on Twitter. You can find Karen. Uh, I will link all of her stuff in the show notes. She mentioned it all above. So trivia time. We talk a little bit about government cheese and that I was surprised it's actually cheese. So what is government cheese? Government cheese is processed cheese provided to welfare beneficiaries, food stamp recipients, and the elderly receiving Social Security in the United States, as well as to food banks and churches. This processed cheese was used in military kitchens during World War II 
and it's been used in schools since the 1950s, so shortly after World War II. So World War II brought us government cheese, it appears. So exactly what's in it? Cheddar cheese, Colby cheese, cheese curd, or granular cheese. And the internet said that might be what's in it. So there's a question mark, but that's maybe what's in it? Well, I don't know. Thank you so much for being here. Please reach out to me if you would like to chat, if you know of somebody that would be a good fit for this podcast. If you have any recommendations, I'm all ears. I want to hear from you. Also, if uh, you have not yet already subscribed and even left a review on Apple, I would be so appreciative. Even just a star rating, that would be amazing. And thank you so much for blessing me with your ears today. Okay, see you next Thursday. Bye.